Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Joel Rosen, and welcome back to another edition of your Adrenal Fix podcast, where our mission is to tell the truth to exhausted and burnt out adults about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their health back quickly. And it's a real pleasure and privilege to be joined here with uh, Jordan Syed, a, a short, bald Harry Potter nerd with an affinity for deadlifting, and also happens to be Gary Vaynerchuk's personal trainer, I guess was personal trainer. Jordan began Syed Fitness, his online fitness coaching business from his dorm at the University of Delaware in 2011, and has become one of the industry, industry's leading experts in strength training, nutrition, and behavioral psychology. One of the only people in the world to deadlift four times his body weight, Jordan's work has been featured all over the world, including a variety of media publications such as CNN, The Huffington Post, Business Insider, Men's Health Magazine, Men's Fitness, and Schwarzenegger.com. So without further ado, Jordan, thank you so much for, for giving us your time today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, so listen, why don't you give our listeners who probably have heard of you, but maybe they haven't in terms of how you got to where you are right now, how'd you become an industry leader in, in fitness and, and psychology and, and food and, and helping people transform their bodies? Why don't you give us a little information about how you got here? Yeah, sure. And for whatever it's worth, I can ramble on for a long time. So if I'm going on, just, just tell me to shut up and we'll move on to the next topic. Um, I got into fitness from wrestling. So I started wrestling when I was eight years old and, uh, my mom, she was like, I think I want to get you into wrestling. And at that point in my life, the only wrestling I knew was WWE WWF style wrestling. And so I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? And she was like, no, you idiot. I'm <laughs> Olympic wrestling. So I got into that and I, I fell in love with it. I was obsessed with it. So that's really like, was my main focus from eight years old on. So when I got to high school, I made varsity as a freshman. I beat a junior out for the varsity spot, but I had to cut a lot of weight. So I was cutting from 112 pounds to 103 pounds every week, sometimes multiple times a week. And I was good from an endurance perspective. And I was good from a, a technique perspective because I'd been wrestling for so long already, but my strength wasn't where it needed to be to compete with the juniors and seniors, which is really where, who were on varsity. So I, uh, I wrote uh, an email to a gym a couple towns over from me. I grew up in Boston. So I, grew up, I wrote an email to a gym up in Newton, Massachusetts. And basically I was like, I would love to come there and learn from you. Let me take the trash out. Let me clean the floors. Let me do anything. Let me just come and learn from you. And I was very fortunate. They let me come in and intern, but I was equally, if not more fortunate, they were very science-based. So from 14 years old, I started working at this gym and eventually I started coaching there and I worked there all through high school. And that's how I got in the fitness industry, just coaching there. And I loved it. It was, it made me so happy. So every day after school, I'd go there and I'd spend several hours there, spend all day Saturday there. And, um, that was basically it. And then started coaching. I went to, I started going to school for exercise science, but after I had spent my entire high school actually really studying and learning and coaching, I realized a lot of the science they were teaching in college wasn't up to date. A lot of the tenured professors hadn't actually kept up to date with the research. And what I really learned was when I was actually coaching people, I was like, you could have the best program in the world, but if they're not following it, it doesn't matter. Right. So, so I realized I wanted to switch to behavioral health psychology. So I switched to that in college early on my freshman year and uh, that's really where things started to take a turn for me in terms of really starting to see a difference in how my clients were able to stick to their programs, to enjoy their programs. A lot of the people who were struggling with motivation and, and really sticking to something long-term, I was able to finally reach them. So that's what got me started in it. And I started my website from my dorm room in, in 2011, and it's just took off ever since. 
Oh, that's an awesome story. I, I, I can resonate with that, Jordan, because I have my exercise physiology background and degree. And then I went on to get a psychology degree as well. So I, I think that's why we resonate, or at least I resonate with you in that aspect. One of the things I want to talk to you about is with exhausted and burnt out people that I work with, uh, and obviously the people that want to make transformations with their body, whether it's get stronger, lose weight, get toned, whatever, they have a, 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 a difficult relationship with food. And, and that's, you don't shy off about that with all your content, and especially as a wrestler, as you mentioned. So, so why don't you kind of give us some insight in terms of the psychology of food, um, binging, uh, and, and I mean, there's so many ways we can go, um, but I guess, why don't we get into, um, I guess, the, the psychology of food and how it can be your, your enemy or your ally. Let's go with that. Yeah, so I think the, the first thing to bring to light here is that more people struggle with food than don't, right? And I think this is important to discuss because food it can be a very emotional thing, right? And it should be. There, there, food isn't just fuel, despite what a lot of fitness professionals will say. It's like, it's food is only fuel. It's like, no, it's not. Food is cultural. Food is family. Food is religious. Food is like, there's so many aspects of food that take place in our life far more than just sustenance. So I think that's important to understand. And I also think that a lot of people they think they're the only one struggling with it. And I see this a lot, especially with people who struggle with binge eating, where binge eating is, is an interesting topic for me because most people binge eat when they're alone, right? And, and they deliberately will not eat when they're out with friends or family because in their mind, they know they're going to binge eat later at night when they're home alone. So they'll deliberately abstain from eating and say, oh, no, I'm not hungry. No, no, no. In order to say, well, okay, well, I want to save calories and save food because I know I'm going to binge later that night. But what that does is many things, but one of the major things it does is it has a lot of people eating alone in huge quantities, binge eating, and it further supports their own preconceived notion that, well, they're the only one doing it. Right. And I, I think it's important to start with that, to let people know that you're not alone. Like this is something a lot of people struggle with. And, uh, if nothing else takes solace in understanding if it wasn't something that so many people struggled with, the fitness industry wouldn't be a multi-billion dollar a year industry. Like there's a reason why so many people want help with this. There's a reason why people listen to this podcast. There's a reason why the fitness industry is so popular. It's because most people struggle with their food. Absolutely. So, so as far as you do get into some, some helpful tools, which I think are amazing. And one of the things I, I listened to the other day is good calories and bad calories mm. is BS. Yep. Um, so why don't you talk about that and then get into, I, I really do like your simple formula for, um, for what do you call it? The weight loss calculator. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. So whenever I say this, there's immediate kickback. So I'll, I'll put that out there. So if you if feel like immediate resistance to what I'm saying, that's normal and, and we'll work our way through it. So I always say there's no such thing as a good and bad food. And for whatever it's worth, when I was younger in the industry and coming up, I used to think there were absolutely good and bad foods. I, I absolutely thought that. I was like, there's no question about it. And usually the first food that people think of, they're like, oh, really? So you're saying Twinkies are good for you or Twinkies aren't bad for you? Like, hold on. Like, number one, why is it always Twinkies? It's always Twinkies or Big Macs. But right. so from there, I was like, listen, we have to understand, number one, what is a calorie? 
right? Like what, what is the definition of a calorie, right? There are good calories and bad calories. So what is that? Well, a calorie, if you actually look at the definition, it's just a unit of measurement. That's all it is. It measures how much energy is in a given food. That's all it does. It doesn't tell you about the nutrient quality of the food. It doesn't tell you about the different nutrients inside of the food, the vitamins, the minerals, it just tells you how much energy is in the food. In the same way that a mile, it just tells you how long of a distance you're, you're walking, running, swimming. A mile on the pavement is the same as the mile on sand. Now the composition of the mile is different, but it's the same exact distance. A mile in the forest is the same thing as a mile on pavement and the same, a mile on pavement is the same as mile on sand. It's a mile is always a mile. Now from there, knowing that we can break down and understand that different nutrients have different effects on the body. Of course, I would never say, and no one in their right mind would ever say that a Twinkie reacts the same way in your body as an apple, but a hundred calories from Twinkies is the same as a hundred calories from an apple because a calorie is always just a calorie. That's all it can ever be. Now with that in mind, I think something a little bit more practical we can take away from this is good foods and bad foods. Well, what, what does a bad food do? Does a bad food inherently make you fat? And I always think about that. So does a bad food, does it just inherently make you fat? And to that answer, it's like, okay, if you think a Twinkie inherently makes you fat, do you think only eating one Twinkie a day every day is going to make you fat? The answer is obviously no, you'd starve to death. You'd, you'd lose so much mass over time that you'd die. So we know that a Twinkie isn't going to make you fat if you have that in isolation. So my whole goal with under, people understanding this is, no, just like no one ever got skinny from having one salad, no one ever got fat from having one donut, right? It's our diet and lifestyle as a whole that really contributes to our body fat and to whether or not we're achieving our physique-based goals. And with that in mind, you can actually start to develop a healthier relationship with food. Because if God forbid you decide to have a slice of pizza at your daughter's birthday party, you don't feel bad about it. You had a slice of pizza. Cool. Now get back on track. Get back on with your normal diet. The issue is people will have the slice of pizza. And then they'll be like, oh, I screwed up. I made a mistake because I had a quote unquote bad food. And then from there, then they'll are, well, you know, I'll have two slices of pizza, three slices of pizza, five slices. I'll just have the whole thing. Then I'm gonna have the ice cream. Then you know what? Well, this was on Friday. And so the whole weekend, I'm just gonna eat whatever I want and I'll get back on track on Monday. Then they weigh themselves on Monday. They gain four pounds and they think, oh my God, I screwed everything up. So they're gonna spend the entire next week eating whatever they want. That's when it becomes an issue. Not from the one slice of pizza. It's from the but negative thoughts you had about the one slice of pizza that then led to bad habits throughout the rest of the week. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great way. It's liberating for one, right? Because when you know that there's no good food or bad food, it's about calories and the calories over the long haul. Because one of the quotes that I have here for you when I find it here is it's it's not what you do. Health is not in isolation, right? It's mm-hmm. it's much more than isolation. It's what you do over the long haul um, and, and, and being consistent. And so that with that, you have the, the weight loss calculator and how that, how that, follows up on keeping it consistent and tightly regulated so that over time you're able to lose that weight sensibly and also be free and and liberated with your food so that you can have some of those quote unquote indulgences. So why don't you kind of give us the, the overview of what the, what the weight loss calculator consists of. So people that even people that are exhausted and burnt out um, that are having challenges with weight loss can think about food a little bit differently. Yeah. So I'll break it down. I'll make it very simple for me. One of the, if you go online and you search weight loss calorie calculator, you're going to come up with a lot of different, different calculations and different ways to do it, different equations. And I've never been a math guy. 
ever. I'm not good with math. I don't like long equations. I see a lot of numbers. I'm like, screw this, I'm out. So I wanted to come up with a way that anybody could look at this calculation, look at this equation and figure out how many calories they need to lose weight very, very quickly. And over the years and working with thousands and thousands of people, I came up with a very simple equation that all you need to do, and I'll explain it a little, in a little bit more detail. You take your gold body weight, and I'll explain that in one second. You take your gold body weight and you multiply it by the number 12. That's it. And when you multiply your gold body weight by 12, you'll come up with a certain number. And that number is going to be your calorie intake. So I have my phone right here. I'll get my calculator out. Let's say, let's just say, for example, sake, your gold body weight is 150 pounds. You multiply 150 by 12, that's 1800 calories. That would be you just eat 1800 calories or and for whatever it's worth, it doesn't have to be 1800 on the dot. So I like to make a range. Like if you come up with 1800, then stay between 1700 and 1900 every day, you're going to be good. You don't have to hit 1800 exactly or else like if you hit like 1799 you didn't fail if you hit 1801 it's not a bad thing hitting that range um there are a couple things that to to clarify about this calculation the first one being it's probably going to say more calories than you would expect and this is really important a lot of people would be like oh my god like 150 and i can eat 1800 calories a day like that's that's there's no way i can eat that much and the reason they say this is usually because Whenever they've tried to lose weight, they've probably done something pretty extreme, like 1,200 calories, or they've been told they need to, need to eat 1,200 calories, or they're like, well, I've only lost weight when I eat 1,200 calories. Well, what happens is when you go that extreme, you'll lose weight pretty quickly. Maybe you lose four pounds in the first week, five pounds, six pounds. But then how long do you really think you can sustain eating 1,200 calories a day every day? It's like, that's completely and utterly unrealistic. You need to have a much more realistic perspective of how much weight you'll lose on a weekly basis. So for me, half a pound to one pound a week on average of weight loss, that's phenomenal. And if that means that you can eat 1800 calories a day and lose that weight consistently over one month, two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, then you'll be able to not only achieve your goal, but you'll be able to maintain it. And that's really what most people struggle with, which is maintaining their weight loss. Anybody can lose weight quickly. It's not hard. You eat 1200 calories a day for a week, you lose weight. But what's the point if you're going to regain it all? So my approach is much more sustainable. You can include your favorite foods on a regular basis and still lose fat. Now, the other thing I'll clarify is the goal body weight. Like, what does that mean? What's your goal body weight? Uh, goal body weight does not mean that you have to hit that number in order to achieve the goal. So we used 150 pounds in this example. If you get to 165 pounds and you look in the mirror and you're like, damn, I look really good. I'm happy here. Then done. That's it. You reached your goal. Like that's just a way. Basically, the, the I came up with goal body weight because I used to use body weight. I used to say, I used to say take your body weight and multiply by 12. The issue with that was there were too many outliers that it didn't work for. And a lot of calorie calculators use what's called lean body mass, LBM, to come up with the multiplier. But if you take someone who doesn't really understand this stuff. And you say, all right, so you're going to calculate your lean body mass. Immediately they check out. They're like, I'm not going to do this calculation. I don't even know what lean body mass is. So for me, I just said, okay, think about the weight in which you think you would be your leanest. And that's generally a good estimation of your lean body mass. Absolutely. And I like that you allow it for say people that have a lot of weight to lose, to give them some incremental drops so that they're not going too quick mm. or too uh, absolutely reducing calories. Um, so transition Jordan into how now protein fits into that calculator as well. Yep. So first and foremost, protein is it, for me, when I, when I'm doing weight loss calories, 
the only things I pay attention to are calories and protein. I don't care about carbs and fats. Not to say they're not important for life and health, they are. But in terms of the numbers that you really need to keep an eye on, calories and protein are the most important. Calories, because if you're not in a calorie deficit, if you're not eating the right number of calories, you won't lose body fat, period. And protein, number one, it's the most satiating macronutrient. It's going to keep you full. It's going to give you energy. It's also the only macronutrient that's going to help be able to build and, and repair muscle, right? So carbs and fats can't really do that nearly as well as protein can. And the other thing, and this is probably the most overlooked is protein has what I would call a metabolic advantage, right? So protein is four calories per gram, carbs are four calories per gram, and fat is nine calories per gram. But if you really break it down and get into the science nitty gritty proteins actually probably around more like 3.2 calories per gram, because it takes more energy for your body to digest. It It has a higher, what's called thermic effect of food. So you get a little bit more of a metabolic advantage from a higher protein intake than you would say carbs or fats. So in order to figure out your protein intake, you just take your goal body weight. And this is great for anyone who's not a math person. It's very easy. You take your goal body weight and you multiply it by one and that's it. So if, if we're using the same example, 150 pounds, aim for 150 grams of protein a day. Now, if you struggle with that, you're not going to fail if you only get 120 grams a day. That, that's not a bad thing. I would, let's say most people are eating way less protein than they think they are, like way less. So if you start tracking your protein and you realize you're only having 40 grams a day and you go from 40 to 80 because you heard this podcast, that's a huge win. It's not like you're failing because you're not hitting that exact number. What I care about is that you're keeping track of your total calorie intake, keeping track of your energy, and also keeping track of your protein and doing your best to increase that in a, in a safe, sustainable way. I don't expect you to go from zero to hundred immediately, but I do expect you to realize, oh, you know what? Like I tracked my protein for three days straight. I would realize I was only eating 30 to 40 grams a day and way more carbs and fats. So then you can start to figure out what can you replace in your diet to make sure that you're getting enough protein. Yeah, I love that. And, and, and you're a big advocate for don't overthink it. I heard that a lot with your with your with your videos. And it's true, people do overthink it. And and this really does simplify it. And you're also big into a study of one in the sense that see what works for you. Don't just go off of what Susie or, or Billy does, but figure out what works for you. Um, two, two, two topics we haven't touched upon yet is job stress. And you did follow and work with, as you mentioned, Gary Vanerchuk for, for seven days a week for three years. And, and I caught behind the scenes of your videos of you had to sacrifice a lot. You had to sacrifice your travel, um, your job, your, you know, yourself. So for our listeners, how did you go about a avoiding burnout or making sure that your battery is still charged enough to be able to sustain your, your own energy, your own health? Yeah. So this is a, uh... I'll really talk about this in depth. I think it's important, especially for a crowd that might be tired and burned out and, and lacking energy. So if you don't know who Gary Vaynerchuk is, you can look him up. He's one of the world's most famous entrepreneurs. Um, and I signed a deal with him to be his personal trainer and nutrition coach for three years straight. So for seven days a week, three years straight, no vacations, no weekends, no breaks. I was his coach. I traveled all over the world with him. If he was in Hong Kong, I was in Hong Kong. If he was in Los Angeles, I was in Los Angeles. If he was in London, I was in London. Seven days a week, three years straight, holidays, weekends, everything. Um, very intense. And uh, if you know Gary, you know he works insanely hard. He's nonstop. It could be two in the morning, he's going like all day, every day. And he hired me for accountability just like to make sure he would get his workouts in to, to help him with his nutrition. 
ironically, it ruined my own personal fitness, my own health, my own fitness, my own nutrition, strength training. And for whatever it's worth, before I coached Gary, I was an elite world record power lifter. I, I didn't miss a workout for five years. I deadlifted four times my body weight. Like I, my own fitness and my strength and my health was my life. Then when I started coaching Gary, because I was so focused on him and, and my own business, my own health and fitness went down the drain. And uh, I want to be honest about this because I, I think it's important for me to be straightforward and not be like, oh yeah, well, I was able to still make sure I got eight hours of sleep every night and I got all my work. No, I didn't. Like there, I was pulling all nighters a couple nights a week. Like I was in different time zones constantly. I spent more time in airports and hotels than my own apartment. Um, and one of the things that I really learned from that, and I learned a lot from it, but one of the things I really learned from it was once that ended, I learned how amazing the human body is and how it can really repair itself. Like, so for example, uh, I started to like lose patches of hair in my beard because of how stressed I was, how, how much sleep I was losing. And once I stopped that, and once I actually had the ability to start re-emphasizing my sleep, re-emphasize my nutrition, really get my workouts in, I started to grow back. My energy came back. I started to lose body fat, started to get stronger again. And I think this might be really, really relevant, especially for any uh, maybe new parents who aren't able to get as much sleep right now. Um, they're really focused on the little ones or they have several kids, who knows? Um, I think a lot of people, they get really upset that they can't achieve their goals now. They want it now, but maybe they're not in a situation in which it's, it's realistic. But the cool part is you can always come back to it. And you can, you can fix it. The body is really amazing. Just be realistic with where you are in your life right now and understand, you know what, if, if you're only able to get five or six hours of sleep or maybe even a little bit less because you have a kid or because your job requires it, it's not the end of the world. Like ideally, yes, you'll be able to prioritize it. But if you can't, what's the point harping on it? You're going to stress yourself out even more, right? It's going to make it even worse. Understand that when the time comes, your body will be able to fix itself. Yeah, great, great wisdom in there, especially the shoemaker that has holes in their own shoes. You know, you're busy helping other people mend their shoes, but you're you're putting your shoes and that's a lack of integrity, right? I mean, when you look at it, it integrity is being honest with saying what you, you mean and meaning what you say and practicing what you preach. And if you're working to help someone else, you're not putting yourself first in that aspect. So there's lots of lessons in there, but it kind of is a great segue into one of the things I heard you say in terms of psychological and behavioral things that we do every day or habits, if you will, versus the physiological or metabolic, which is really relevant to the listeners I look at because they're very sophisticated. They, they do a genetic test, they do metrics, they count their calories. Um, they're on a thousand and one different supplements. They have the, you know, their little pharmacy in the back and they have all these supplements and it's not working. And, and ultimately I think what you inherently know um, is, is the key is the behavioral and psychological uh, approach we take with that. So why don't you give us your spin on that and why it's so important in just overall attaining goals, keeping healthy, having good, valuable relationships versus micromanaging the, the minutia, if you will. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really important topic and it's one I don't think that's discussed enough, but I think a lot of times what happens is I think we're all our own harshest critic, myself included. Right. And, and it's very easy to really just beat down on yourself and be hard on yourself and to focus on the outcome as opposed to the process, I think is a very common 
uh, pattern that I'll see is where someone is, they're so focused on what they don't have yet, on what they haven't achieved yet, that they end up stressing themselves out, feeling demoralized and treating themselves in a way like they would never treat anybody else. A very common habit and pattern that I see among people is really being an asshole to themselves and talking to themselves in a way that they would never talk to their best friend, right? Their best friend, if your best friend came over to you and was like, Hey, you know what? Like, you know, I, I ate way more than I should have this past weekend. I gained four pounds, like feeling really down on myself. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say like, God, you're a fat, you're a fat fuck. Like you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say like, you should just quit. You wouldn't say like, you know what? Spend the next, the next week just binge eating and, and not working out and whatever. You'd say like, you're fine. You enjoyed yourself. You're an adult. Get back on track. You had fun. Cool. No big deal. But when it's yourself, you're like, oh, I'm just disgusting. I'm gross. Like, what am I doing with myself? And you just beat yourself down. And the reality is most people speak to themselves worse than they would speak to their worst enemy. And I think being aware of how you speak to yourself and the standards you hold yourself to relative to the standards you would hold one of your best friends to or your family members to is, is very different. Be aware of it and then hold yourself to the same standards so that you can be a little bit kinder to yourself and more realistic. Yeah, no, that's awesome answer. And, and in one of your videos, you said the two major things that you learned from working with Gary was the insecurities, you know, own your insecurities. Mm -hmm. And the second one was, hey, what's the worst thing that can happen? Um, and, and then breathe through it, which I think is really key, Jordan, because no one you're in sympathetic overwhelm when you're not breathing. And, and I think inherently, those are the things we teach our burnt out, exhausted people to do. And, and obviously having, you know, celebrations and gratitudes and really loving yourself and, and not talking to yourself like you're an asshole. So I appreciate those words of wisdom more than you know. Um, one question that I like to ask when in closing is now that you know all these lessons and, and you've really gone through a transformation and you help other people get their life goals and health goals, um, what would you say to the young, naive Jordan that you know now um, that would have made huge differences or impacts on your health and maybe springboarded you quicker, faster, further, um, knowing what you know now? I would say a lot. <laughs> it would be a very long conversation. But I think, um, I think one of the most important ones is surrounding motivation. This is one of the most common questions that I get on a regular basis. And I think it's something that I didn't understand as a young coach, which is how do you get more motivated? And I think a lot of coaches, especially younger coaches really fall into the trap of, of just saying, well, you, like they fall like the no pain, no gain type thing. Like, like, you, like it's gotta be, it's gotta be super painful. It's gotta be like, if you're not working hard, if you're not sweating, if it's not burning, it's not working. And that's, that's nonsense. It's not true. And the reason that I said that leading up to this is because a lot of people are looking for motivation. They're like, well, how do I get motivated? How do I get it? As though it's just going to like pop up out of nowhere. Like, well, ha like what happens? And for me, the way I look at motivation is this. Imagine you're holding water in your hands and yet your hands are cupped. You're squeezing them together and you have a lot of water in there. Maybe you're in the shower having fun, who knows? And like, you're trying to keep the water from dropping out of your hands, but no matter how hard you squeeze, no matter what you do, the water keeps dripping out and eventually it's going to be empty. That's what motivation is like. Motivation will never always be a full cup. It'll never always be there. And what people don't realize about motivation and what I certainly didn't realize is that the only way to get motivated is to do the thing that you don't want to do. It's the, it's the only way to do it. 
because what happens is a lot of people expect, they think the cycle looks like this. They think it starts with motivation from motivation. You take action from those actions, you get results. And from those results, you get motivated. It's a little bit backwards. What actually happens is the cycle starts with action from the action you take, then you get results from those results, then you get motivated. And then with that motivation, you take more action, but it starts with action, not motivation. And the reason this is important is because a lot of people think that if they're not doing something crazy intense or crazy hard, it's not working and it's not worth it, but that is nonsense. And this is like a very long roundabout way of saying, if, if you need motivation, go on a five minute walk, just do something, drink another glass of water, do something because it's a small thing. The action doesn't have to be an hour and a half long workout. The action doesn't have to be in a complete overhaul of your nutrition. The action has to be just one small thing. And a lot of people, I, I don't think they believe me when I say it. And I certainly would have, wouldn't have believed it if I told my 18 year old self that, but it's true. It's something that I've learned over the years is that small little action can have a massive positive effect on your results and your psychology and your behavior. No, that's an awesome answer. I, I appreciate your time. Absolutely. So you have a lot of social media and I know a lot of people would love to hear more about what you do and how to find you. So why don't you give us a little information on where we can find you and, and the information you put out? Yeah. So I have my own podcast, the Jordan site, mini podcast. You can find it on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Instagram site, fitness, S Y A T T fitness, uh, YouTube, all of it. If you Google search my name, you're going to find a lot. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jordan, for being here today. I appreciate your time. And um, I look forward to reconnecting with you. I typically get back with some of my guests in a year or two to see where you are then and uh, bridge the gap. And I wish you nothing but future success. Thank you, man. You as well. Have a wonderful day. All right. You too. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism, and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen and we'll talk to you soon.